Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. David Cobb writes about college football and college basketball for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, on X, at David W. Cobb. Cobb is the winner of Tulane Memphis going to wake up on Sunday, despite the game that being Friday. But is that going to be the head? Is that going to be the, the team that's in the driver's seat for the New Year's Six birth? Wow. I mean, I hadn't even really thought about it. So we've got, we've got, here are the games that would matter. Wyoming goes to Air Force. So Wyoming could maybe play their way out at that point. Air Force, if they won, would still be alive. I don't know how you would flip it. It always feels to me like the Mountain West is probably, like their champion's always going to have two loss. Then Wyoming has to go to Boise next week. There's a chance where the Mountain West has started the, the Pac-12 approach, which is start eating yourself. Uh, the Mountain West, it feels like, is a better with better teams. But if Memphis or Tulane can withstand the storm, then they'll be better positioned. Even if the AAC, which I mean, it's not a worse league than the Mountain West, but that doesn't mean it can't produce a singular better team. And uh, you're probably right. I mean, winner winner of Memphis Tulane in, in the driver's seat of that conference for sure. And then I guess. I guess we'll see. I mean, Fresno State, I feel like, is still, uh, but their loss to Wyoming doesn't hurt, uh, doesn't help. That's for sure. Do you agree with the metrics? So the metrics still show that SMU has the best chance of winning the league. Now, when you look at SMU's losses, no shame in the Oklahoma loss. They were super competitive. Like the final score was worse, but they were. That was a one-score game in the fourth quarter against Oklahoma. Mm. TCU, they had. So many turnovers that just never let, like, they couldn't hang in the game. But it was, I don't know, it finished, I don't know, two-score games, something along those lines. But it was really the turnovers. But the metrics still love SMU. Love yeah, them. I, yes. Yeah, FP, yeah, they're the highest-rated uh, AAC team in the FPI. I mean, they're a classic computer tricker team, right? Like The, they, the Ken Palm darling. We see it more yeah. in college basketball than we do in, in football, but yeah. Yeah, they're they're like Gonzaga. They they run a fun offense. They score some points. Their strength of schedule, right? I, I don't know to what extent strength of schedule is a part of the FPI equation, but they've played good teams, so that drives up uh, their metrics uh, to a certain extent as well. And uh, I, I don't know that I buy it. I just feel like there's an infatuation there with Rhett Lashley that is founded on nothing other than blind hope and a guy who's worked for some other good coaches before. Um, so that's where I'm at there. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that um, Memphis or Tulane are, are head and shoulders better than SMU, uh, but I definitely don't feel like like SMU is significantly better than either of those teams. So 
uh, that that's kind of where we're at in the AAC. But I well, will say, well, here, David, before you answer completely, I want to give you these stats and I want to hear your thoughts on these with in relation to this because I looked at them. I have a column up at commercialpeel dot com, um, kind of about uh, we're starting to see the the truth. Like we we all predicted what the effects the new membership would have on the AAC. Now we're starting to see like some actual results filtered in. So last year. The AAC, if you went by the FPI, the top half, there's 133 team, FBS teams. Teams that finished in the top half of the FPI and from the AAC, there were seven of them that finished within like the top 65, essentially, of FPI. As of right now, through five games or whatever, five, six games, um, there are three teams in the AAC that wow. rank that in that. That, Yikes! In that top half of the FBS, if you will, it's SMU, Tulane, and Memphis. That's it. Hey, do we lose you, David? AAC teams who escaped the bottom twenty-five. So some good news to counter your bad news, there, Mark. Like UAB finally got a win. Mm-hmm. They got out of the out of the bottom twenty-five. So there's only like three. yeah. But when UAB, well, I'm gonna get, be honest. But here's the deal: when UAB gets a win, do you just have to replace whoever they beat? I'm gonna be well, honest. If you go by the FPI, UAB ain't the problem this year for the AAC. UAB <laughs> is fifth in the FPI in terms of uh, in terms of uh, their FPI ranking amongst AAC teams. Temple's 126, dragging up the rear. North Texas is at 122. Navy's at 116. Charlotte's at 104. USF's at 102. FAU's at 100. Tulsa's at 99. Rice is at 98. ECU is at 93, UAB is 92, UTSA is 78. So well, the, the problem is two thirds so of, of those, the league are yeah. outside of the top 80. Well, and part of the problem is that a lot, a lot of those teams you just named are, are teams that were in the AAC before. So it's yeah. not even like it's the new guys from Conference USA who are. No, only North Texas has really, you know, crapped the bed, so to speak. In yeah, terms of the FBI, UTSA also. UTSA was expected to be good, and they're not good. That that has hurt the AAC quite a bit. And if you look around the country, though, it's not just the AAC. As we discussed with the Mountain West, and you look at the Sun Belt even, you, you see Coastal and App playing last night, and they both already have multiple losses uh, in early to mid-October. So Group of Five football as a whole has suffered with the departures of Houston and Cincinnati and UCF. Like, that's just... That's just the reality. It doesn't mean it has to be permanent uh, because, I mean, it sounds like moving forward, at least for the two-year period, we're going to get an automatic qualifier from the group of five. And the group of five may also get Oregon State and Washington State. That, that would be a pretty nice boost because those are good programs who, if they're in the Mountain West, would be likely the best teams in that conference. Uh, or if they end up in a pack. 12 that's revamped or whatever either either however it shakes out those two teams will help the group of five ranks whenever they're officially kind of part of that a, a part of that that side of things interesting yeah it's I, I i'll be curious to see how it all shakes out after this weekend my my suspicion is certainly if wyoming beats air force they will be ranked ahead of either tulane yeah. or memphis i think in terms of or viewed as ahead of them in in the group of, in the group of five situation because again I don't think the Mountain West and Sun Belt are any different honestly than most years the AAC I think is we're seeing 
as I laid out those numbers to you, I think is has really taken a step back, um, unfortunately. But do you do you think the Mountain West and yeah, the Sun Belt? It's interesting because like Jam, you can't even go to a bowl game. Um, but do you think the Mountain West will eat itself ultimately? Yeah, I mean, we're, like, that Fresno State Wyoming game is a perfect example of it already. Uh, and, and those, you know, it's the college football playoff rankings that determine, right, which the, yes. who the best group of five team is. And then, so and then if no one is ranked in the top 25, the committee will pick a team ultimately. Yeah. Right. But they'll, they, they rank one. They'll rank they'll one of them 25 yeah. if they need to, yeah. Yeah, so then it ultimately becomes how, how does the strength of schedule in the Mountain West sort of stack up against the AAC? Because if you have a three-loss Mountain West champion with a couple of good wins on their resume, uh, does that team then have a, a higher ranking than a two-loss AAC champion? And all those bad teams that you just mentioned mm-hmm. uh, from the AAC, they drag the league down. I mean, it's no yeah. different than – when we talk about all this stuff with basketball in February. So the collective profile of the conference matters. And to be honest, AAC had a pretty terrible non-conference run of it. You know, very few uh, victories of note uh, to hang to hang their hat on. Whereas yeah. the Mountain West, eh, they at least got a, uh, picked off a few of the big boys, right? And, yeah. and those uh, Wyoming over Texas Tech results, right? Like those yeah. types of and things. Wy- and Wyoming was respectable against Texas. Now, granted, that was like sleepy Texas after they'd beaten Alabama, but they were respectable. Right. I, I would yeah. say for the AAC, the college football playoff committee slash NCAA basketball committee, like it is going to be really important for the AAC moving forward to have like a better than expected showing with both of those. Like it, it's going to be fascinating to see how they rate them essentially because that's going to, there's going to be something of a precedent set, I think, this season because there's been enough of a change in the makeup of the AAC that, like, you know, like whatever preconceived notions you have, there's been enough change that I don't think they're going to necessarily lean on those like maybe they have in past years. Yeah, I also think the drop-off for the AAC is more significant in football uh, than in basketball. And I realize how good Houston is at basketball. However, Cincinnati, as of late, hadn't been doing much. UCF, I mean, losing them, what does that do? I mean, right, that doesn't hurt you at all. Uh, you add FAU, North Texas has been a good program. Memphis is in a, a period right now where it has cycled up. Uh, and Memphis is scheduling non-conference-wise and basketball yeah. like like crazy. So, yeah. And UAB is uh, a solid that. basketball program. Um, yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, – it, it, you're, you're probably right it's better in basketball than it is football. But uh, we may be getting ahead of ourselves. There is a big game on Friday night uh, in terms of uh, – in terms of Memphis and Tulane, and it depends how that shakes out ultimately. What do you make of uh, that matchup? I, I think I've said I think it's the big. It's to me, it's, it's the biggest Memphis football game since the Cotton Bowl. I think. Wow. Yeah. That. that I mean, that's probably true. I mean, Memphis to be. You know what? Are, what, what are they? Five and one right now. Yes. Or yeah, four, I mean, that's, four and one. Four and one. Four and one. Let me see. One, two, three, four. Yes. Four and one. Yeah, and, and Tulane is the reigning uh, Cotton Bowl champions. I mean, you're probably right. It is, it is the biggest matchup for the program since then. I mean, I like Memphis's chances. To me, it feels like Memphis is getting the breaks this season that it didn't get early on in Ryan Silverfield's tenure. And I think part of that comes with experience and familiarity. Seth Hennigan now being a veteran quarterback. Some more playmakers emerging. 
I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Antonio Gibson is out there or Tony Pollard on this team, but like O'Rock Taylor and some of these guys are, are starting to give them some of that pop offensively that it felt like they had been missing really since the end of Norvell's tenure. So, I mean, and this is just how things go when you, when you make a coaching change. It's, it's probably no coincidence that Florida State is just now really starting to pop because yeah. it takes a couple of years. And Ryan Silverfield had not been a head coach before. And I don't know that they are just like astronomically more talented or better than they were earlier in his tenure, but he's more comfortable. Hennigan's a vet, and it feels like a spot where they could slash should win uh, against a two-lane team that is just not quite what it was last season when it had you know Tajay Spears. All right, I want to switch gears with you a little bit. Is this a weird game for Tennessee? You've got A&M coming in off the loss to to Alabama, in which. Jimbo just absolutely coached his way to a loss. Credit to Alabama. They did, like, I do think Alabama's figured out what they are. It's like, run the ball in deep shots. Don't do anything else. Like, that's, right. that's what we are. And then play extremely good defense, which they very much do. But A&M is pretty good against the run. And with Tennessee, like, starting to find their form, it's largely been getting the ground game going. Is this, like, a weird matchup for them? It's a, it's a really compelling matchup. In fact, uh, I will be in the Neyland press box for the first time in five years mm. <laughs> for this game. Did they, so, did they leave your seat? Yeah. I, I doubt it, yeah. Uh, in fact, if, if my call drops, it's because I'm on the way now. But, uh, no, it, it's a great matchup because, like you mentioned, A&M has been really, really good against stopping the run. That's what Tennessee does best. And then where A&M has been weak is defending the pass. And that's kind of where, like, Tennessee needs to take a step forward yeah. is, is with the downfield passing game. I mean, we are five games into the season now for Tennessee. They have eight completed passes of over 25 yards. Uh, they had over 30 last season. Uh, and, you know, with Hendon Hooker only playing 11 games. So, like, like, Hooker was hitting the deep shot at a far greater clip than Joe Milton is. But giving up the deep shot is kind of what Texas A&M did against Alabama and did against Miami, and it's why they have two losses. So can Tennessee capitalize on that weakness? And then both these teams, uh, ironically, along with USC, uh, are the top three in in, in the Power Five ranks in terms of tackles for loss. So you're going to see a lot of pressure on the quarterbacks. You're going to see some tackles for loss and some good play from the front seven. So – I think it's a, a, a toss-up almost. I mean, that's kind of how Vegas sees it. In fact, I would even go, like, money line on it and maybe in favor of Tennessee, even though they're, like, a three- or a three-and-a-half-point favorite because it's just going to be that close. And uh, I kind of give the edge to uh, Tennessee because Neyland should be in, in rare form. Uh, and the fact is, you know, Texas A&M has never played in front of a, a Neyland Stadium at capacity. Because they were there in 2020, but there was only a quarter of the uh, the capacity. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see to see how that dynamic works out. But it's a I love the matchup. I think it's a really interesting matchup. Which underdog would you rather have on the money line this week? Oregon at Washington or USC at Notre Dame? Oh, Notre Dame's a slight favorite, is it not? Yeah, it's, USC? it's two and a half. They are at home. I mean, basically, what they're saying is, I guess maybe it'd be a, a pick 'em. Slash maybe one point on a neutral, but they're they have made Notre Dame a favorite. I'll lean USC in that game. I think that the fact that Notre Dame is a favorite is an overreaction to USC's really really poor defense. And it's like, did y'all watch the Louisville game either? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that was 
I mean, Louisville in year one under Jeff Brom just like straight up manhandled this Notre Dame team that we've been lauding for its toughness. I mean, Estime behind that vaunted Notre Dame offensive line could not get anything going on the ground. And so if there's any situation where USC's defense could get right, like this is it. Because you know they're actually going to be up for this game, right? And like how amped up has USC been for anyone on their schedule to this point? I mean, the schedule's been – garbage so now you, you go and play Notre Dame I think I think Lincoln Riley will have their attention this week and uh, I would lean Trojans if you if you had somebody truly on upset alert who would it be this week yes yeah, I mean it's not easy when you look at some of the yeah. cupcake opponents that the top ranked teams play I've just been so unimpressed though with Ohio State I mean even in the win over Notre Dame I was unimpressed with Ohio State. I, I just Ohio State think, dreams do go to die in West Lafayette. Yeah, I, I, and Purdue's record is two and four, but it's sneaky. Like they're not as bad as their record suggests. It's year one under new regime. They lost Brom. Like Ryan Walters is finding his way. Uh, but I think you could have a, a moment. Like I think there's going to be a moment at some point this season where where Purdue does something. I don't know if it's if it's against Ohio State, but of like the top ranked teams uh this week i i certainly think that that purdue has a better shot against ohio state than than uh than indiana does against michigan or than big noon, it's a big noon month it's a big noon kickoff game too yeah so that means we'll have gus johnson um you know just really like screaming at us if uh if purdue does anything there well he's got to save his voice for whenever he inevitably goes back to do a colorado game <laughs> well that's true <laughs> yeah, that's true Cobb, we appreciate it buddy thanks david This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.